top questions that I get asked about learning English and my answers to them. We'll see a very common mistake with the structure to know how to. We'll look at some animal sounds and the vocabulary we use to describe them. A very common mistake with the structure to know how to. We'll answer some listener questions and give some business English top tips. And for our podcast listeners, some new music from Canadian musician Andy Schauf. You're listening to The Kyle Miller Show. All right, everybody. Welcome to the show. Yes, it's a pleasure. It's a treat to be here with you on a new journey that we can embark on together. We can begin together. That is The Kyle Miller Show. So thank you for tuning in. We have a wonderful show. As I mentioned, I'm going to tell you about an interesting experience I had participating in a forum, the Forocoches, a few days ago, and from that experience came something very interesting uh, as I was answering hundreds of questions about learning English. So I'm going to tell you what the top few questions were, and I'll give you my answers to those questions as well. But first... Common Mistakes all right, we're going to begin. We're going to kick things off on the show today with a common mistake. And this is one I do hear a lot. Do you know to drive? Of course, we don't say that. We say, do you know how to? Saber hacer algo, to know how to. Do you know how to drive? For example, I could say, well, I don't know how to. I don't know how to play the guitar. I'd like to learn how to play the guitar, but I don't know how to play the guitar. So we don't say, do you know to play the guitar? No, to know how, to know how to, okay? So for example, sabes conducir? Do you know how to drive? No sabía él programar un ordenador? Didn't he know how to program a computer? Computer, computer. Nadie sabe llegar. No one knows how to get there. Sabemos tratar con ellos. We know how to deal with them. Ella sabrá convencerle. She'll know how to convince him. Convince. She'll know how to convince him. Oh, yeah. She'll know. She'll know how to convince him. No puedo creer que no sepas nadar. Hombre, no puedo creerlo. I can't believe you don't know how to swim. And remember, swim, cerrando la boca, swim, swim, no, swim. I can't believe you don't know how to swim. ¿Sabe alguien cómo apagarlo? Does anyone know how to turn it off? Okay, that's enough, right? Eso es suficiente. I think that's enough. I just wanted to practice that a little bit with you. And uh, remember that we don't make, that, not to make that mistake again, we don't say to know to do something, but rather, right? But rather, si no, but rather, we say to know how to, okay? So there you go, to know how to. Now, yesterday, I had the pleasure, actually not yesterday, it was a few days ago now, I had the pleasure of being invited to do an AMA, they call it Ask Me Anything, with Forocoches, which is a very large uh, forum 
internet forum uh, that involves people asking all kinds of questions and talking about all kinds of things. And I was invited to talk about English and, uh, or to talk, to talk about anything, really, anything that people wanted to ask. And I got flooded, inundado, con preguntas. I got flooded with questions. I dealt with about uh, 600 questions, I believe. And I want to share with you the top questions that I received related to English, okay, related to learning English, because maybe, a lo mejor, maybe you have the same question yourself. The first question was, a lot, a lot of people asked about watching television and movies. Should I? And then people said, oh, es que no entiendo nada. I don't understand anything when I watch TV or movies. So I tell people something that is maybe the opposite of what most English teachers would advise. I tell people not to watch TV and movies. Don't do it. And people say, pero, pero, ¿por qué? Qué raro eso. Hay que ver las películas en inglés. Para aprender, con subtítulos, claro. But I say no. Um, if Now, if you understand enough, if you have the level, si tú tienes el nivel suficiente, if you have a high enough level, to understand the content well and to follow the story, to follow the film, to follow the movie, then do it and enjoy it. But motivation is very, very important. It can be demoralizing if you feel that you're studying all the time. You've been studying all the time. You've been studying a lot. And you just don't understand enough. And you get confused and you feel frustrated or you feel sad, you feel angry due to a lack of understanding. That can be very frustrating. So a very important part of the process is motivation. In order to learn English well, you have to put the learning process in a positive space in your head. Okay, you have to put the learning process in a positive place. You have to feel good about it. You have to enjoy the process. You have to want to learn not just want the end result, but you have to want to, you you have to want to be studying or be ex, you want to you have to want to expose yourself to the language. In other words, you have to enjoy the materials. And I've always said the same thing. This is the good thing about English, as opposed to learning Japanese or Icelandic or um, I don't know uh, Norwegian, is that the world is full of English. There's English everywhere. There's English, you know, you, you, you can say, well, I want to learn how to cook, so do it in English. Go online, find websites about cooking in English. Find content about, you know, playing the guitar, learn it in English. So do the things that you want to do, your hobbies, but do them in English, do them in English enjoy it, and that way you'll spend more time with the tools. So it's the same with films, right? You want to make sure that you're enjoying the process, Okay. Um, so watching TVs and movies, do it only if you enjoy the movie in English. If you don't, find something else that you do enjoy, okay? Number two, the second question, what can I do to pass a certain test? So people are always asking about these standardized tests. I have never been one that enjoyed teaching people. I don't like teaching people to pass tests. I like teaching people to learn English. Okay, so if your goal is to simply pass a test and then some English is a, a, a byproduct, that's not a good attitude. 
You have to want to learn English. You have to want to learn the language. So there are standardized tests. I don't really agree with standardized testing for the most part. I think that people need to uh, really want to learn the language. And again, that feeds into the motivation as well. Okay, number three, I, I understand English well, but I have trouble speaking. This was a common question. Me cuesta hablar. Oye, me cuesta hablar. Me cuesta mucho hablar. Okay, that's a common one. But speaking also comes from the ear. You know, why are deaf mutes mute? Los sordomudos. Why are deaf mutes mute? There's nothing wrong with their vocal cords, but because they've never been able to hear, then they don't know what they should be saying. So it comes from the ear. So if you have trouble speaking, develop your ear. If you don't have a partner to practice speaking with, develop your ear by listening to the radio, listening to programs like this, and participate in exercises en voz alta, out loud. Okay. But in general, my three tips, and I will always come back to these three tips for learning English en general, mis recomendaciones para aprender inglés. Bien enfocado. Number one, enfocar en lo básico y machacarlo hasta que gane soltura con lo esencial del idioma. Okay. Focus on the basics and drill it in until you gain fluency. Number two, desarrollar el oído. Develop your ear. This will help you with all aspects of the learning process. Pronunciation, comprehension, grammar, and more. So work on your ear. Listen, listen, listen. And number three, consistency. Constancia. As they say, sin prisa, pero sin pausa. So don't stop. A little bit every day. Poco a poco. Slowly but surely wins the race, right? So it's not a sprint. It's a marathon, the learning process. You have to be consistent, okay? So these are my... I wanted to spend some time here in this first show talking about these three ideas that I have. Focus on the basics, drill them in, develop your ear, and be consistent with your learning. And those are the three pillars, I would say, of English learning. Vocabulary. Oh, that's right. It's vocabulary time, everybody. Vocabulary. We're going to talk about animal sounds. Something fun on this first show. For example, what does a bee... What's una, una abeja, no? A bee. A bee. Bzzz. Bees? What is the sound that a bee makes? We say buzz. B-U-Z-Z. Or as the Americans would say, B-U-Z-Z. Like ZZ Top. Buzz, buzz. Now, cats, los gatos. What sounds do cats make? They meow. 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 We say M-E-O, meow. Or they also purr. Purr, purr. They purr. That's right. Now, bears. What sound does a bear make? Un oso. A bear growls. To growl. Growl. And, and bats. Murciélagos. Bats. Well, they screech. So to screech, it's almost like scream, que es chillar, to scream, but screech. Bats, like Batman. Murciélago, we say bats, a bat, okay? Los pájaros. What sounds do birds make? Well, they do a lot of things. They tweet, tweet. They chirp, okay? They whistle, they sing. What about cattle? This is ganado. Cows, for example. Las vacas. Cows would moo. Moo. Mm. Um, dogs. Los perros. 
In Spanish, ladrar, claro, but in English, to bark. B-A-R-K, bark. Okay, eagles. Águilas. We say that eagles scream, que es como chillar. Ah! Scream, scream. Like like uh, I've given this expression on other radio shows, chillo, chillas, chillamos por el helado. ¿Cómo? Chillo, chillas, chillamos por el helado. I scream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. ¿Y los pollos? Chickens. What sound do they make? Chickens. Well, they cluck. C-L-U-C-K. Cluck. 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 And ducks, los patos. Ducks, we say they quack. Q-U-A-C-K. To quack. So ducks, we say quack. Flies, las moscas. Buzz. Buzz or they hum as well. <laughs> to hum or to buzz. Lions, leones, lions. We say they roar. And frogs. We say frogs croak. That's it, to croak. To croak. Parrots, of course, parrots can talk. Pueden hablar. Or sometimes they screech. They screech, which is to, like, uh, really loud, like almost like screaming. Casi como chillar, but to screech. But yeah, they, they talk famously, right? Yes. <laughs> pigs, what do pigs do? Well, they grunt. Grunt, G-R-U-N-T, or they snort as well. S-N-O-R-T, snort or grunt. And finally, uh, mice. We say mice squeak. Squeak, S-Q-U-E-A-K, squeak. Se escribe squeak, but we say squeak, squeak. Okay. So there you have it. A little bit of animal sounds. Let's review. Vamos a repasar. Bees, what do they do? They hum mm, or they buzz. Cats, meow, meow, or they purr. Bears, growl. Birds, chirp or tweet. Dogs, bark. Eagles, scream. Chickens, cluck, cluck. Ducks, quack. Flies, buzz. Lions, roar. Roar, frogs croak, parrots talk, owls hoot, H-O-O-T, they hoot, pigs snort, and mice squeak, or we could say they squeal. Pronunciation. Well, it is time for today's pronunciation, pronunciation. We're going to talk about you. Vamos a hablar de ti. No, de ti no, pero de... Only We're going to talk about the letter U. The U in words like useful, beautiful, careful, helpful, wonderful. No se de wonderful. Wonderful. Fool. Eso es tonto. No seas tonto. Don't be a fool. Full, full, full. Okay. Successful, grateful, peaceful. Uh, uh, full, full. So it's not fool, but full. Okay. And the same sound appears with the double O in certain cases, like the word book. Libro, book, book. No see the book, book no. I'm reading a good book. No, a good book. Good book. Ud, uh, 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 good book. Wool, lana. So you say wool, 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 no, wool, ul, ul. Look, mirar. Mira mi libro, look at my book. 
Look at my book, Woods, El Bosque. He lives, vive en el bosque. He lea libros. He lives in the woods and reads books. He cooks. He cooks good food. Wooden. He lives in a wooden house. De madera. Okay? So the double O, uh, uh, the same as the U in words like useful, successful, grateful. Okay? And also the OU sound of words like should. Deberías. Deberías practicar inglés. You should. Deberías estudiar el inglés. You should study English. Could, podría, would, haría. So, madera y haría se pronuncia igual. Would, would, would you like, would you like to come with me? Okay, would, would, would. Mm. Bush as well, arbusto, pull and push. He pulled, he pulled and pushed into the woods. Okay, so this is the O sound, the double O sound. I've practiced this before. It's, it's complicado, the double O, because we have, for example, well, several different sounds. For example, evidencia, la frase de hoy, evidencia de sangre en la puerta del pobre cocinero. Evidencia de sangre, como, vaya frase, ¿no? ¿Cómo se dice eso en inglés? Evidencia, y no voy a decir evidence, blood evidence, no. Proof, vamos a usar proof para practicar the double O. Proof of blood, evidencia de sangre en la puerta del pobre cocinero. Proof of blood on the poor cook's door. Ooh, ah, uh, proof, blood, ah, uh, blood. This is pronounced almost like an A. People say, how can I, ¿cómo puedo aprender la pronunciación en inglés? Pues escuchando, listening. Hay que escuchar. You have to listen, you have to listen, listen, listen. Y cuando más escuches, mejor hablarás. The more you listen, the better you will speak. And the better you will pronounce. Because, like I said before, why are deaf mutes mute? Los sordomunos. Well, they're mute because they don't know what their own voice should sound like. So if you practice, if you listen, you can improve. Uh, you will improve your pronunciation as well. You'll match your own voice. You hear your own voice and say, oh, eso no suena como... El del nativo ese. Entonces hay que modificar mi pronunciación. So you hear your own voice and you try to match the native style. Evidencia de sangre en la puerta del pobre cocinero. Proof of blood. ¿Pero dónde? On the poor cook's door. En la puerta del pobre cocinero. Uh, uh, proof of blood. Proof of blood. On the poor cook's door. Proof of blood. Proof of blood. Ooh, ah. Proof of blood on the poor cook's door. Mm. Okay, so practice with that. Proof of blood. Ooh, ah. Oof, ah. Oof, proof, blood. Poor, or, or, or. Cook, cook, cocinero. Uh, uh, cook. Puerta, door. Proof of blood on the poor cook's door. Proof of blood on the poor cook's door. Evidencia de sangre en la puerta del pobre cocinero. Proof of blood on the poor cook's door. That's my little uh, expression for today to practice some pronunciation. But that wasn't even the thing. Hemos salido por la tangente otra vez. We've gone off on a tangent again. Por la tangente. 
we've gone off on a tangent because we were talking about the u, the the double o in the sense of the u sound of useful beautiful book wool cook woods uh 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 okay ese sonido so for example if i say eche un vistazo al libro i took a look at the book i took a look at the book ella se llevó el libro al bosque. She took the book to her. Sorry, she took the book with her to the woods. Al bosque. She took the book with her to the woods. Debería mirar el libro que cogí de la biblioteca. I should look at the book I took from the library. Yes, I should look at the book I took from the library. Ten cuidado, está llena de sustancias perjudiciales. Be careful, it's full of harmful substances. So this is the pronunciation of the U, and the idea here is to practice with sentences like this over and over to gain fluency and uh, to improve your pronunciation. All right, Emma, we're going to take a quick break. Before we do, let's practice a few sentences of translation. ¿Cómo se dice en inglés? ¿Te pareces a tu padre? Look like your father. That's right, you look like. Te pareces a tu padre, very físicamente. You look like your father. Number two, pareces cansado. You look tired. Tired. No se dice tired. Tired. You look tired. No sé cómo eres. I don't know what you're like. No sé cómo eres. I don't know what you're like. ¿Qué aspecto tiene ella? What does she look like? What does she What does she look like? ¿Qué aspecto tiene ella? What does she look like? Huele a humo. It smells like smoke. It smells well, humo. It smells like it smells like smoke. Parece que vamos a tener un problema. It looks like we're going to have a problem. Now we could also say it seems like. Parece que it seems like or it looks like. So it looks like if it's visual. It looks like. It seems like we're going to have a problem. Parece que va a llover. It looks like it's going to rain. Parece que va a llover. It looks like it's seen. So I'm looking at the window. Ah, yeah, it looks like it's going to rain. ¿Quién lo pisó? Who, who stepped on it. Here we don't need the auxiliary verb because who is asking for the subject. So we don't say who did step, we say who stepped on it. Pisar, to step on something. ¿Quién lo pisó? Who stepped on it? La planta creció rápidamente. 
The plant grew quickly. La planta creció rápidamente. The plant grew quickly. Notice we don't say it grew up. To grow up, eso es más hacerse mayor. To grow. Plants grow. To grow up is like to become mature, to mentally develop as well. So we say the tree grew. The tree grew. The plant grew. Right? Every day I grow. Yesterday I grew. Lately I've grown. So here, the plant grew quickly. ¿Quién la plantó? Who planted it? ¿Quién la plantó? Who planted it? So the verb to plant, plantar, un árbol, una planta, to, to plant. Who planted it? Tu idea parece interesante. Your idea sounds interesting. You could say as well, it seems. It seems interesting or it sounds interesting. One more. Sabe a manzana. tastes like apple. Sabe a manzana. It tastes like apple. All right, it's time for a quick break, but we'll be right back. All right, it's time for a little musical interlude for you today on The Kyle Miller Show, featuring the music of Andy Schaff, who is a musician from Saskatchewan in Western Canada, from the province of Saskatchewan. Try saying that one three times fast. Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan. And his newest record is one of my favorites of the year. It's called The Neon Skyline. And this is his song called Try Again. Somewhere Drunkenness and chivalry I hold the door open and let her pass through She says thanks to me in a British accent And I try to answer her in the same voice She laughs at me, says what was that supposed to be? I say I'm sorry I'm from a different part of the country She says come on baby, try Sincerity, I smile at her for just a little too long. Charlie's drinking wine, Judy's laughing at him. She says, I forget that you're such a fancy guy. He tips his hat, says, My lady, do you come here often? I swear I've seen them do this one hundred times before. Come on, baby, try again. Come on, baby, try again. 
kindness and charity She puts her hand on the sleeve of my coat She says I've missed this I say I know I've missed you too She says I was actually talking about your coat She makes me laugh Oh wow, she makes me laugh I just let my head sink down and fix some deep sores and jealousy I watch her talking to some old friend What a reunion He recognized her across the room How many years could there be to catch up on And somewhere between Drunkenness and honesty I make a silent toast to the things that I do and don't miss Come on baby, try again Come on, baby, try again Come on, baby, try again Come on, baby, try again Welcome back to The Kyle Miller Show. Hi, right, welcome back to part two That's right, the second half of the Kyle Miller Show. Thank you for staying with us today and for tuning in, por sintonizar, to the program today. And I want to begin by talking a little bit of grammar. We're going to take a look at the difference between each and every. The words each and every, which are often confused. Right? Non-native English speakers often confuse this, but these two words, but what you should remember is that each basically means cada uno, cada uno de los lo que sea. Whereas every, which is followed by a noun, just means cada. Okay? So for example, I could say cada uno de los niños Tenía una vela en mano, o en la mano, no? Each child was holding a candle. Now, on the other hand, if I say, cada niño tenía una vela en mano, en la mano, we would say, every child was holding a candle. So, cada uno de los niños, each child. Cada niño, every child. So, it's very similar. Okay, cada uno de los ordenadores viene con un juego gratuito. Each computer comes with a free game. Cada ordenador viene con un juego gratuito. Every computer comes with a free game. So with every, we can have more examples. Cada persona, every person. Cuesta diez centimos producir cada una de las manzanas. Each apple, each apple, excuse me, costs 10 cents to produce. Or it costs 10 cents. Costs. It costs. You got to pronounce that 
That STS can be difficult, right? Costs, it costs. Cada, each apple costs 10 cents to produce. Cuesta 10 centimos producir cada manzana. Every apple costs 10 cents to produce. Cada uno de los libros está firmado por el autor. Each book is signed by the author. Cada libro está firmado por el autor. Every book is signed by the author. So we're kind of splitting hairs. Rizando el rizo here. These are very similar. Right? But remember, when you say cada uno, this is each. Right? Recibimos 100 euros cada uno. We received 100 euros each. Cantaron durante cinco minutos cada uno. They sang for five minutes each. Okay? Now, we can also put the word each before the verb. We could say, for example, they each spoke for half an hour. Or they each bought the new version. We each made 500 euros on the deal. Ganamos cada uno cinco, bueno, 500 euros en la transacción, on the deal, the transaction, the deal. Todos, todos y cada uno de ellos hicieron el ridículo. They each, they each made a fool of themselves. Okay? We each have a different opinion. They each, uh, they each told a different version of the story. All these examples, right? So each can come before the verb or it can come after. Now we also say each of them, each of you, each of Each of you will get one, right? In this, in this case, cada uno de ellos. Each of them has a lot of talent. Oh, there were several musicians and each of them has a lot of talent. Cada uno de nosotros sabe cuál es el problema. Each of us knows, each of us knows what the problem is. Each of you had something to do with it. Each of us won a prize. And we also say each one of you. So you could say each of you, or you could also say each one of you. Cada uno de vosotros sabe lo que tenéis que hacer. Each one of you knows, each one of you knows what you have to do. Cada uno de ellos vota a un partido distinto. Cada uno de ellos vota a un partido distinto. Each one of them votes for a different political party. Okay? So each one of them. So there are several ways we can use this, and they're very similar. Each and every are very similar, but basically what I want you to remember is that we would say, basically when, you, when you're saying quite simply cada, when you say cada, you would say every. Okay? Cada uno would be each. It's business. It's business time. I don't know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Ooh, it's business. It's business time. Oh, it's business time. You got it. It's business time, everybody. And we're going to practice with some office talk today. A few typical sentences you can find in the office and some of the vocabulary that appears in these typical sentences. 
So let's practice with a little translation from Spanish into English. The first sentence. Ella está nerviosa por el informe de ventas. She's nervous about the sales report. Now, el informe de ventas, the sales report. We're not going to say the report of sales. We're going to say the sales report. Now, nerviosa por, to be nervous about. We don't say nervios. We say nervous, this, nervous. She's nervous about it. She's nervous about the sales report. Maybe the results aren't good. She's not, she doesn't know how the results will be, so she's nervous about it. She's nervous about the sales report. Okay, number two. Llevo toda la mañana intentando hablar por teléfono con él. I've been trying to get through to him all morning. Now, I've been trying all morning. I've been trying all morning to get through to him. So, to get through, this is a phrasal verb, which means to make contact with someone almost always by telephone. To get through to him. I've been trying to get through to him all morning. Llevo toda la mañana. And it sounds like the morning is continuing. So, we have to use the present perfect here in English. Llevo toda la mañana intentando hablar con él. Bueno, por teléfono, con él. I've been trying to get through to him all morning. Avísame cuando sepas las cifras. Okay, here we have two ways. Avísame. We could say, let me know. Now, advise. Very formal. Advise me. But let me know. Or... I also like the structure, very nice business structure, get back to me. Get back to me. Avísame. Get back to me. So getting back to someone, remember, coming back, volviendo, volver, to come back, get back to. So avísame cuando sepas las cifras. Get back to me when you know the figures. Figures, las cifras. Get back to me when you know the figures. Okay, number four. La grabadora está atascada. Now, this is not a very businessy expression, I must admit, but it's a good office one. A good office expression. La grapadora está atascada. The stapler is jammed. Jammed. So you may have seen atasco de papel, a paper jam in your printer. Now, with the staplers as well, la, la grapadora, the stapler, y las grapas, staples. Okay? In fact, in Canada... There's a store that sells stationery and office supplies, and they're called staples, right? Grapas. But la, la grapadora está atascada. The stapler is jammed. J-A-M-M-E-D. So you could have a staple jam, you could have a paper jam, or you could have, of course, the most famous, a traffic jam, un atasco de tráfico. So atasco is a jam. Now, jam is also mermelada, claro. Eso es otra cosa. Y tampoco estamos hablando del jamón, which is ham. 
ham, but this is jam, which is mermelada, but it also means, it also means, uh, as, a, as an adjective, jammed, to be jammed, to be atascado. And the verb to jam, can, to me, to force something in. I had to jam it in. The key didn't fit in the, in the lock easily, so I jammed it in. I forced it in. Okay? But here, la grapadora está atascada. The stapler, the stapler, make sure you can pronounce that right also. The stapler is jammed. Okay, number five. Ven a verme si necesitas ayuda. Come see me if you need help. Help. Ven a verme. Come see me. Or you could say, come and see me. Come and see me if you need help. All right. This has been business time and really just some typical office sentences. But, you know, people often come to me and say, I want business English. In fact, I, I literally wrote the book on business English. It's called Business English. You can find it in most bookstores now. Business English, uh, published by Vaughn. But uh, uh, really, before you worry too much about advanced business topics, it's important to make sure that you understand the basics of the language. So really, I would always focus on mastering uh, proper grammar before worrying about industry-specific jargon. But here, we do have some typical office sentences and some typical uh, language that you could find in the workplace. So I think it is very relevant for business as well. Another question as well, while we're on the topic of business, is the idea of the word cliente. ¿Cómo se dice en inglés cliente? Well, it can be a customer or it can be a client. Client. We don't say client. We say client. Como ojo, I. Client. 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 Customer and client. And the difference is that a customer buys a product and a client buys a service. Okay? A customer buys a product. So a customer buys something tangible. Typically something physical. Something tangible. And a client buys a service. So if you subscribe to an internet uh, provider... You would have, uh, you would be like, a, you know, someone who sells you internet service. You, you, you are hiring them as your internet provider, so you are a client of theirs. But if you go to the grocery store and you buy some milk, you are a customer. In Spanish, you say cliente para ambos. You say client for both, right? But in English, we have a, a difference there between customer and client. Although, very often... Um, very often, it's still unclear. Like, I, I used to work in a bank in Canada, and we referred to los clientes, we referred to them as uh, clients. Because in the bank, we considered the different accounts to be products. Although they were not tangible, we used the term, uh, we, we used the term uh, customers. But really, we should use, we should say client. But um, anyway... So in some industries, they'll use both. Well, they, they used, yeah, in the bank, they used the term products, different banking products. So they had customers buying those products. But uh, I think a, most, a more logical thing would be to expect it to be a service 
a banking service. But anyway, all right, we are going to move on. And we have, oh my gosh, we have some questions. We have some questions here for our Requesta Fiesta. And we have one request that came in, an early request. This was just something someone asked me on Twitter earlier today about the difference between like and enjoy. To like and to enjoy. And these are very similar, really. They're very similar uh, verbs. Gustar o disfrutar. So people could say that, uh, you could say that enjoy is a bit more like uh, disfrutar con algo. But the meaning can often be used interchangeably. But grammatically, we have one important difference. The verb to like is more versatile grammatically in that we can say, I like football. I like playing football. I like to play football. But if we use the verb to enjoy, we could say, I enjoy football or I enjoy playing football. But we cannot say, I enjoy to play football. Okay? So when you use the verb to enjoy, this is the only rule that we really have. When you use the verb to enjoy, we do not use in the infinitive. So it's enjoy plus ing. ING, el gerundio, the gerund, right? Te gusta esquiar. Do you like skiing? A Brian le gusta dar clases a niños. Brian enjoys teaching children. A tu marido le gusta cocinar. Does your husband enjoy cooking? No te gusta leer. Don't you enjoy reading? Nos gusta ir al cine. We enjoy going to the cinema. Phrasal verbs. I know you'll love phrasal verbs. Now be careful. We're going to practice some phrasal verbs, but I say be careful because I always encourage people to not worry too much about phrasal verbs. I encourage you. It's kind of a strange thing to say, I encourage you not to worry. But uh, I would suggest that you focus on basics. Focus on the essentials of the language before worrying about, as you say in Spanish, los adornos, the adornments of the language, like expressions and phrasal verbs. But we can look at a few phrasal verbs. And if you're going to study phrasal verbs, I, I recommend that you go little by little at a pace that you can really absorb the uh, the phrasal verbs, okay? That you can truly learn them, okay? So today we're going to do two. Two, that's right, not just one. We're going to look at two phrasal verbs, but these are common ones and ones that uh, are very good to know. The first one is to let out, which is in Spanish you'd say dejar salir. Okay, like we'd say, who let the cat out? Remember the song, who let the dogs out? Who, remember that? Who let the cat out? ¿Quién dejó salir al gato? Who let the cat out? So this is, uh, so let in the sense of to allow, como permitir, dejar, to allow, right? Um, which, by the way, the verb to let is much more common and more casual and more common than the verb to allow. 
So, um, to let out is to allow something to escape. So, you can say, oh, he let out a sigh, un suspiro, ah, to let out. But who let the cat out? ¿Quién dejó salir al gato? Who let the cat out? They shouldn't have let him out of prison. No deberían haberle dejado salir de la cárcel. They shouldn't have let him out of prison. Now, notice how this is a separable phrasal verb. Now, this means separable. This means we separate or we can separate the verb and preposition and put the pronoun in the middle. So, they let him out of prison. They let him out, right? So, let and then the him goes in the middle. Don't let the bird out of the cage. No dejes salir el pájaro de la jaula. Don't let the bird out of the cage. Now, uh, we could also say, could you let me out at the station? Let me, like, let me out of the car. ¿Puede dejarme salir en la estación, por favor? Could you let me out at the station? Let me out of the car. We could also say, in this case, drop off. Could you drop me off? Hey, could you drop me off at the station? Let me out. Let me out of here. Okay. So let out. This is our first phrasal verb. The second one is to leave out. Que es omitir. O también excluir. To leave out. Like to leave out some information. To leave out data. Okay. Uh, he left out. Uh, he left out the information. He let, Or he left out. Imagine he left his son out of his will. El excluyó a su único hijo. He left his, his only son out of his will. And will, that's right, is, is your testamento, your will, W-I-L-L, your will. So will is an interesting word, testamento, your will, his last will and testament. Mm. Don't, don't leave out any details. No imitas ningún detalle. Don't leave out any details. Now, if you use any, then you're going to use a plural. You're not going to say, don't leave out any detail. Don't leave out any details. So any typically goes with the plural, okay? Would he leave it out if I asked him? ¿Él lo, lo omitirá? Si se lo pidiera? Would he leave it out if I asked him? If I asked him? Asked. If I asked him? Ask. Okay, ask. With that nice hard K. If I asked him? She told me that she felt left out. Ella me dijo que se sintió excluida. She told me that she felt left out. To, to feel, to, to be excluded, to feel excluded, to feel left out. She told me that she felt left out. So there you go. Two for the price of one with the phrasal verbs as we look out to let out. Right? Dejar salir and to leave out. Que es omitir o también excluir. Now, we have lots of grammar topics that we're going to talk about in future programs. Um, and if you have any questions, send them to me on social media. You can always reach me on social media. I'm Kyle Miller on Instagram and also on Twitter. So find me there. Ask me any questions you may have, and I'll build them in to the Requesta Fiesta portion of the show or just into the general contents of the show. But I want to finish off today by practicing for a few minutes with some negative questions. I don't like to be negative, but we have to practice answering questions, or actually asking questions in the negative. So the best way to do this 
And remember, you can make exercises like this at home and you can practice on your own. And for a negative question, for example, a great way to practice is simply ask why. You take a, a sentence that is negative and create a question asking why. So for example, if I say, he didn't arrive on time. The question would be, why didn't he arrive on time? Okay, so let's practice with a few examples. I'll give you a sentence and you ask me why. So of course, I'll ask the question as well, but see if you can match it. See if you can beat me and say it faster than I do. Okay, so the first one we'll repeat as a practice here. He didn't arrive on time. Why didn't he arrive on time? His car couldn't start. Why couldn't his car start? Because it didn't have any gas in the tank. Why didn't it have any gas in the tank? Gasolina, gas. We normally say gas, even if the car runs on diesel, we often say gas. In Britain, it's a petrol. In North America, we'd say gas, which is short for gasoline, but we talk about fuel in the tank. So there wasn't any gas in the tank. Why wasn't there any gas in the tank? Because he forgot to go to the service station. Why did he forget to go to the service station? That's not negative. That's just a direct question. Why did he forget to go to the service station? Because he didn't look at the gas gauge. So the gas gauge, the gauge is something that measures the quantity of something, the gas gauge, the little meter you have in your car that tells you how much gasoline you have because he didn't look at the gas gauge. So the question, why didn't he look at the gas gauge? Because he was distracted. Another affirmative question here, because he was distracted. Why was he distracted? Because he was listening to the radio. Well, he must have had a great... Why was he listening to the radio? He must have been listening to the radio because it was a great show on the radio, just like this one, just like the Kyle Miller show. That's right. Okay, everybody, we are just about out of time. I'm going to finish there, but uh, I want to... Uh, yeah, I just want to remind you, if you want to participate in the program, you can write in, find me on Twitter, find me on Instagram. I'm Kyle Miller is the name there. And uh, it's been a pleasure joining you or having you join for this new journey this new program there will be plenty more on the way and i look forward to bringing you lots of great content to help you with your english remember keep studying be consistent this is the key to be consistent with your studying you don't have to say oh, i'm going to study four hours a day and think that that's necessary to binge right to study de golpe a whole lot in a day that's not necessary it's much better to be consistent if you can find 30 minutes a day to practice your english right consistently be be, be constant slow and steady wins the race okay and i'm here to help you with your english learning journey thank you very much my name is kyle miller and this has been the kyle miller show we'll see you next time bye bye